All right. I think I'm yeah, yeah I think I'm straight now. I'll wait for everybody to jump over. I think I know what happened. I'll wait for you to, to hop over to the hop over. Sean, peace, Nikki, love. All right, cool, cool. Yeah. I see what happened there. Good morning, Iris McKay. Good, I'm glad it's better. Sister Allison, peace to Goddess Key. Peace, Plant OG. Yeah, 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 yeah. Original gardener. Um, I'm guessing that's what the OG is for. <laughs> Peace, Rika Shai. Yeah, yeah, peace to you. Peace to you, peace to you. Good dawning to you. Good first day to you. You know, good rise. Yeah, I see what happened with the last one. It's because I used a um, cover photo that was actually in landscape. So when I hit start, it just flipped everything, thinking I wanted it in landscape. You know, peace, James Gadabaki. Yeah, yeah, good rising, everyone. Good rising on this... Uh, beautiful day. Greetings, Naya. You know? Um, crazy, crazy rainstorms all dawning. So, um, I stayed in, you know. Actually, I went out, but I didn't go out, you know, to actually do the command today. Because, uh, it's just, you know, it's just too wet. You know? But, uh, rains and rain is nice to go out in, man. So I was out in it earlier. But anyway, so, you know, you know, sometimes when I'm doing segments, um, for those of you who've been around for a little bit, peace, K Boogie and peace, brother Vermont. Good dawning to you. Good rise. You know, I mean, I know it's not that early. It's only about 730 now. But, you know, on first days or as some of you might say, Sundays, I like to start a little later because I know people, you know, like to sleep in a little bit. You know, so that way I'm not bothering them. <laughs> Peace, Baba Victor. You know, don't want to bother him too much and let him sleep a little bit. Um, so, you know, real quick, I wanted to get into this concept of legacy. And, you know, like I said, sometimes I do segments that are specifically for children. Good morning, Ia Andrine. You know, I do dawnings. I mean, excuse me, I do dawnings. I do segments specifically for children. And, um, yeah, I've done a few of those because sometimes you got to talk to the youth, you know, well, you got to talk to the youth all the time, you know, um, but, you know, I wanted to address another very similar population that we don't address as much as we probably should in, in, in our, in our talks and in our works. And that's, uh, the grandparents, oh, you already had your lunch. I already had my lunch hours ago. Okay, so either you're in another time zone or you work in the graveyard, you know. But, um, yeah, you know, grandparents. You know, a lot of times we don't talk about, especially in the culture community, and it's it's kind of sad, 
you know, we may say elder this or elder that, but really what the relationship is between grandparent and grandchild. All right. So I just wanted to touch upon that just for a moment um, in commemoration of our solutions for dysfunctional relationships phone call that we have popping off um, this this uh, this evening, you know, within our new piece, Alex Legant, you know, um, you know, different time zone. <laughs> OK, but yeah, we have that call popping off this evening. Um, you know, we do a series you know, periodically, you know, uh, Peace Mitsu, you know, we do a, a, a phone series, a call uh, periodically. It's a class actually on that particular book and that work. So, and this is within I knew it's not a, it's not open to the public, but, um, you know, in commemoration, commemoration of that, I was considering, you know, that grandchild, grand, grandparent relationship we don't speak about enough. And it's, it's one of the most critical relationships to nurture and to watch peace creative lately to watch and to consider and to hold for those of us who are trying to get a hold of some culture and those of us who are trying to get a better grasp and understanding of our spirit right um generally you know it's it's difficult to look at the grandparent grandchild relationship because it defies scientific rule you know in the sense of what that love or what that vibration or that or that energy between them should be because it's um the energy that a grand that a grandparent has and it, it, depending on the age of that grandparent um and the energy that a grandchild has are very similar and that one is just coming from birth and one is on there is is closer to death so in many senses, a lot of times what we have in terms of the middle generation, which would be like the parent generation, um, a lot of times that grandchild, grandparent doesn't relate to that middle generation as much, you know, um, as one would think, but they relate to each other because of, you know, just their, their space and how society perceives them. And to some degree, how they're even marginalized, not only in society, but marginalized in the family, you know? So that alone creates a certain tie and a certain bond uh, between them. But, you know, one of the important things about grandparenting, um, and, and I'm speaking on it too, because a lot of, a lot of people don't know how to grandparent. You know, they, they, they may be grandparents, they may have wound up being grandparents, but they're kind of feeling their way through it. And may not necessarily be clear on um, what their commitment ought be, you know, um, what they should be providing, you know, for their grandchildren or or what their role now means. Because, of course, obviously, it's much different than a parent um, or should be. You know, sometimes we have households, obviously, where um, and hey, let me let me say something. side note. Some of you may always notice that I'm always like rubbing my nose when I'm doing doing these segments. I don't have a habit. What happens is though when I'm talking sometimes my mustache tickles this part of my nose. <laughs> Just so you know. Because sometimes I look at like I've seen some of the videos, I'm like, hey, you always doing this. It's because I'm I'm trying to avoid from sneezing. <laughs> I don't have a habit. I don't I, I don't like I like some candy, but I don't like that kind of candy. Alright. Um so just so you know, that's what that is. 
but anyway, um, <laughs> uh, James got you got you got a thick mustache too, huh? <laughs> yeah, you know. Normally, if you just in regular life and you do, it's no big deal. But you know, when you're doing stuff like this, everything is magnified. You know, and people start to notice things. I notice he always, uh, you know. So now you gotta, you know, you gotta explain. You know, um, peace, peace, Baba Uchu, peace, first, last. And I'm not one of those uh, cut your mustache off and have a beard. You know, I'm not a I'm not a Quaker or a Mormon or, or no the Amish dudes do that. I, I I don't trust a man who's got a beard and no mustache. I would not trust someone. You know, even if you just have some whiskers, you got to have something. But if it's bald, if you shaved it purposely, nah. That means that means you probably are doing that thing and you don't want the powder to get you know to, to show on your on your upper lip. But anyway, so back to the grandparent relationship, you know, peace, Ali Isha, you know, yeah, like two or three here is tickling on that. Exactly. You got it. <laughs> it's the same thing. And it's all, the more you talk, it kind of, you know, <laughs> peace them all. But anyway, so like I said, that particular relationship really defies um, gravity. It, it defies scientific rule, the grandparent grandchild relationship because the parent is typically responsible for more of the the everyday didactic responsibilities of a child you know um did you take your bath did you finish all your 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 kale or your spinach on your plate you know um did you finish your homework things like that and of course when you go into that grandparent space you you sort of graduate from that and your role in a child's life becomes less regimented in terms of that. And a lot of times it becomes more philosophical, you know, so you're, you're not just looking at the child as a responsibility, but you're looking at the child as a unique being, you know, and, and it could be more than one child. You may have four, five, six, seven, 10, 20 grandchildren, right. And, and you're, you're understanding and looking at each one of them uniquely at, in terms of what they will be you know, what they're going to turn out being with what they're moving towards. Right. And truthfully, the role of grandmother and the role of grandfather are just as unique as the role as far as the role of father and the role of mother, you know, peace, Christian and peace information, you know, um, so that, that grandparent vibe, you know, and I know I have a, I have a, a few listeners. I don't know. I'm going to say a few, I'm sure it's way more than a few, um, who are grandparents, you know, but I have some who have confessed. Some of y'all are hiding it, you know, <laughs> still trying to trying to play the field, you know, but um, the thing about that, that, that type of energy, like I said, it's, it's more philosophical in terms of what you're looking at in, in terms of your grandchild. You're more looking at and considering their spiritual development as opposed to, again, the, the, the basics of how they're living. If you're a religious quote unquote grandparent, then a lot of times you'll consider it your responsibility to share or teach religion to your grandchild. You know, that's one aspect. Um, but you know, there's an important thing and this is especially for some of us. Some of us have come up and we didn't, we never got to meet our grandparent. We may have had it and, and specifically our grandfather, right? Um, peace, Miss Cindy Jones, you know, and peace, Benin Bert, Brett, Benin bread, excuse me. Um, good doing it to you as well. 
you know, some of us came up and we didn't really have an opportunity to acquaint ourselves with our grandparents. Maybe they transitioned before that before we were born, or we were just too young to remember them, or maybe um, they were not around. You know, we there there was a, a missing parent. You know, in in that sense, um, which speaks to another thing in terms of grandparenting. What I'll speak to, you know. So based upon that the greatest value that that grandparent may have is, is the legacy that they left, right? So you may have had a grandfather that you never got to meet, but you're living in your grandfather's house, you know, or the crib that you were put in as a child, your grandfather built with his own hands, you know, things like that. Or maybe your, your, your grandmother had a, had a business and she was able to leave an inheritance for the grandchildren, but you may not have ever met them. So these things, these things become your legacy as a grandparent, you know, what, what you're able to leave for your grandparents and I mean, grandchildren, excuse me, and what they're able to say, this is what grandpa did. This is what grandpa laid. And it lays down a set of not only a, a set of moral structure, but it, it lays down a set of moral achievement and moral benchmarks and goals for the children to kind of meet up to, or to achieve towards, you see. So, <clears throat> A lot of times, um, as grandparents, you know, um, and I'm saying as a grandparent, but I'm not a grandparent yet, but, you know, so I'm speaking theoretically, you know, but um, I have counseled a lot of grandparents, I've counseled a lot of grandchildren, and I've had um, a very long time to watch the grandparent-grandchild relationship at play. And like I said, a lot of times what happens is the grandparent if they're functioning in a healthy role, they become the earthly spiritual guide for the grandchild. Just like when, when they transition, that's usually the first person. Good morning, good morning, Mama Marva. Speaking of grandmothers, <laughs> that becomes the very first person that you want to put on your shrine. You know, my grandmother, good morning, Gypsy Gray, good rise. You know, you want to put your grandmother on your shrine. You want to put your grandfather on your shrine. You know, one, because usually they're usually the first egg Sometimes it's your parents, unfortunately, but they're usually the first egg <clears throat> But the thing about it is that it a lot of time is dependent upon the role that they served in your waking life. Right now, let's look at it from the other side in terms of the responsibilities that I spoke about early of a, earlier of a grandparent. You know, one of the key things that you that you can do that really helps as a grandparent is to instill a sense of morality and structure and protection in your child. Like every day, let's say if you have five grandchildren, if you're a person who prays or affirms or meditates, a day should not go by that either you don't write your grandchildren's name on a piece of paper, you say their name, you affirm for them. Now, what would you, you, you affirm for your children or for your grandchildren? protection and what I, what I mean by protection the world is constantly coming at them in in a hundred different ways and oftentimes their parents are so preoccupied with keeping them clothed and keeping them fed they miss some things some things you know kind of fall by the wayside if if you will but as a grandparent because you're not responsible typically and in a normally you know naturally <laughs> You're not responsible for making sure that they got out to school and they did this and they did that and they finished their breakfast, had their breakfast, this and that. You can focus on other things. So one of your affirmations should be, you know, 
there's things that are coming at my grandchildren every day. Please make sure that they have the strength to morally abstain from those things. They have the strength to, to use the wisdom and, and the knowledge that's been given to them to keep them protected. So for, these are things that you could do every single day as a grandparent. One of the things that you also do is you you seek to strengthen a relationship through the, to, with them by removing blockages between the relationship. So, you know, you come to my house, um, you don't, you, there's no phones at the dinner table, right? Now, you know, and, and I'm, I'm saying you as I'm speaking as a, as a grandparent, you know, you said, hey, there's no phones at this dinner table. And not only that, when you share that type of thing, you don't necessarily do it in a way. Peace, peace, Anaba, free own, peace, Anaba. Um, you don't necessarily do it in a way where you're, you know, it's derisive or, or you know, peace, Shannon, or you're trying to, you know, critique their culture or, or anything like that. Because there's, as a grandparent, there's going to be some things that you don't understand about youth culture, but you just let them know, you know, that's that's just not what we do here. But one of the key things is. When you are removing the blockages, you peace, Eddie Moon, you let them see that the removal of those blockages between your relationship is is so that it can open up the way to a whole lot of fun. You see, that's the thing. The relationship with the grandparent can be extremely fun. You know, like, no, you can't you can't have the um, peace essence of Angela. You can't have your phone at the table because I want you to focus and listen to these instructions because after we eat dinner, we're, we're going to go drive to a, a hotel and we're going to go swimming in, 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 the, in the indoor pool of the hotel. We're going to go swimming. You know, it might be something like that, right? But you, you, you bring a lot of fun and enjoyment and excitement into their life, but you also make sure that you're constantly strengthening the relationship. So as a grandparent, also, one of the things that you can do for your grandchildren that is extremely powerful is let them know that you're always thinking about them you know you're sending them love and that can be as simple as just sending them a text at a time that you know that they're in school during the daytime i love you i'm thinking about you right um because again sometimes as parents we're like I'm over. Here, I'm at work. I'm over here busting my mind. Obviously, I love you. I wouldn't have went out today in the rain to go. Work, you know what I mean? But but and a child may perceive that a little bit different. But that's one of the greatest things that a that a grandparent can do is is let a, a grandchild know I'm thinking about you. I love you. You, you know. Um, and, and here's an important thing with that. I want you to understand. Now, yeah, a child is over the moon when they know that a grandparent is giving that peace, peace, Kashia. Um, when a grandparent is giving that level of warmth to them, you know, it, it, it's really heartwarming for a child. But sometimes, and I got to hit this other angle because it's important. Sometimes certain grandchildren are, and this is based on how the parent institutes things with them. Sometimes they're selfish, they're evil, and they ain't, they ain't worth nothing. So as a grandparent, you know, I need I need to give you this, you know, um, don't chase after your grandchildren. If you have to chase them, stop because it's 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 undignified. And truthfully, you know, power doesn't travel. We we travel to power. And your position as a grandparent where now you are instilling philosophy 
into your grandchild's life. You're you're instilling rituals into your grand grandchild's life. Um, language and religion and you know, there's all these different things I could I could think of. You know, mores and things like that. That's a high that's a high dignitary position. You see, so if you ever find yourself in a position where you're not honoring that contribution that you have now in your grandchild's life and you're chasing them, you need to stop. You know, and sometimes that needs to be a conversation you have with the parent. And if they're just like, I can't tell them what to do, they all right. Probably your kid ain't, ain't shite either. It is what it is. And this is where the other part comes in. You know, we live in a society now, regardless of of, of racial designation, that um, there's a lot of single parent homes. There's a, there's a lot of fatherless homes. You know, um, and there are all sorts of opportunities to be to grandparent people, right? Um, I can speak for my own grandparents, you know, like around where my grandfather, everybody, like he's, like, I used to tell him, like, you should run for mayor, you know, in that particular era of New York. Everybody knew Pops, you know, like everybody knew him, yo, Pops, Pops, Pops. In fact, my grandfather is in two web series, <laughs> believe it or not. He's actually in two hood web series um, filmed in New York City because he was just so popular, you know, that these, you know, dudes who was doing um, movies and stuff, two of them, two different times on two different occasions, put him into their web series, you know. Um, but these were also dudes like he knew from, like he said, man, I've known him since I've known his mama since they, they were young, 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 and some of them got caught up in street life and things like that. But he, he really enjoyed and he used to talk about it. He really enjoyed, like he said, man, I like talking to the young fellas. You know, he really enjoyed giving them game and, and giving them things to do. And like, you know, hey, man, you need to, you know, the MTA is hiring, man. You need to go see if you can get a job with transit, man. I said, you can make this on this job and you get a pension. And, you know, he would always be hitting them with game and stuff like that, man. You need to go to school and learn them computers, man. And, you know, this, so, um and not to say that he didn't have grandchildren to, to, to grandchildren, but there were plenty of opportunities for him to serve as a father figure for other people. And like I said, regardless of racial designation, we all got that issue. So when, when you think about a fatherless home, don't immediately think about someone who's melanin dominant. It's, you know, people may try to put that twist on you, but statistics say differently. Peace, Sister Manera. You know, it's it's all over. <laughs> You know, it, it's it's an epidemic that's all over. But again, as a grandparent, what you have the opportunity to do, and this is with the parents' consent, which goes into another thing. You have the opportunity to instill, like I said, philosophical values, moral values, you know, a, a different kind of sense of unconditional love. You know, because a grandparent is really going to say, if you don't like it, get out. Now, as parents, we say that all the time. Look, man, just what you're going to do. And when you paying some bills in your own place, you could do what you want to do. But for now, turn the music down, right? Grandparents, they, they tend to be a little cooler about things like that because they don't have to deal with the day-to-day -day sometimes of a child's headache. But that's fine. So what that does is that establishes and it cultivates more of that spirit of unconditional love between grandchild and, and grandparent. You, you see what I'm saying? So that's another thing that a child gets to... I just say experience. Um, they get to experience through their grand, through, through their um, through, through the grand.
parent-child relationship. And like I said, it, the nature of that relationship, science cannot explain it. You know, and you know the science never really does explain it. The science will explain the attachment between parent, mother and, and child, or father and child, or even you know, um, father and mother, you know, those attachments can be explained from a biological sense and, and from a chemical sense, but the grandparent relationship is on a totally different type of, of vibration. And like I said, it's a, a lot of it has to do with one is just coming from the essence and the other one is soon to go to the essence. So there's also even a curiosity a lot of times that young children have that grandparents don't have a problem with sitting through and they should so young children want to know do monsters exist you know do do fairies exist do ghosts exist do this this that 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 and whereas a lot of times a parent is trying to um care for the practical thinking of a child you know like don't worry about that right now did you do your homework <laughs> you know or are you still drawing pictures of this and that and that no just focus on this the grandparent can take time and have those conversations do monsters exist hmm well let's let's, let's think about it you know i had this experience when i was a little girl or that experience when i was a little boy and i i thought about it sometimes but you know i asked my parents and they da da da, da so they can have those kind of conversations with them that lead them into a deeper spiritual and metaphysical understanding of life you know that role of a grandparent is deep because it goes beyond you know the parent is going to deal with the with the horizontal as they should making sure that you're going to have a good life and things like that but the grandparent can deal with the vertical let's start dealing with the underworld let's start dealing with the, with the overworld peace chef boogie you know let's start dealing with the underworld let's start dealing with the overworld and let's start dealing with that that vertical aspect of life you know so you should never negate your role as a grandparent but one of the things is and this is a critical thing make sure to function in your role properly that you are getting parental permission Sometimes as a grandparent, this, you know, there could be violations too. Now, what do I mean by that? Like, let's grandparents like to do stuff sometimes, like give the grandchildren donuts and pizza, and like, yeah, I'm gonna give you every grand. I got five grandchildren. I'm gonna buy a dozen donuts for each grandchild. Y'all just gonna eat donuts. Y'all want donut? How many? You have all the donuts you want. They're doing a sale, right? And then you might speak to. Sometimes this is where tension comes in between the grandchild and the mother of the child specifically the mother you know um where she'll be like you know especially if it's an in-law type of situation where it's like listen i don't want my children eating sugar you know or i don't want my children eating donuts that's not what we do and like in any relationship trust becomes the most critical thing in those scenarios trust not you you know you have to trust that this mother and this father um, is doing right by their children and though they may be doing something a bit differently than what you did you have to trust that they know what they're going to do you know um, <laughs> I'm going to send this to my folks but I pray for you <laughs> but um, you know that trust concept is so important because as a grandparent if you don't have that or if you don't respect that the bounds of trust you can end up getting boxed out and and you know from the relationship you know they say you know what because you don't want to respect what we're doing here you just won't have the 
grandchildren by yourself anymore. You can come over and visit to our, but they're not coming to your house anymore because you don't you don't respect what we're doing and you don't trust that we have a plan for our children. So one of the important things, like I said, when you're instilling certain things, um, whether it's a spiritual path or it's a religious belief, you always want to get get permission from the parents, you know, and willfully you are all a part of the same spiritual construct or the same religious construct that that that's peace peace Sherelle. that's where we talk about legacy you know like let's say if i had a grandmother or grandfather transitioned before i was born and i didn't really get to know them but let's just say that me and my family were devout christians and then i asked well how did we become devout christians oh your, your grandfather your grandmother they passed through the church and we we came up, we met in that church maybe and we that's how we came up let's that's just for an example right so now i'm able to live and ride off of and take advantage oh thank you get gypsy gray appreciate that appreciate it word um i'm able to now experience and enjoy the legacy of my grandparents because of what they philosophically were able to provide. Now, of course, what I spoke about earlier, for some of you may have missed that, is that sometimes there's also a, a, a material inheritance. You know, there are some people who, and I think I saw someone say that in the chat, you know, they're living in their barber's house right now. The barber just transitioned in June. You know, um, sometimes that's, that's, that's the experience. Like, yeah, this is my grandfather's land. You know, we're, the whole family's living on 40 acres or something like that. Granddaddy's dead, but he he bought this land, you know, back in the days or whatever. Or, like I said, grandmother opened up a business, you know, or a restaurant. And I never met my grandmother, but this was the restaurant that she owned, you know, right? So there are other ways to kind of leave a legacy. And legacy is important. It's important. So your job as a, as a grandparent is it's it's twofold you should be looking to leave a legacy whatever it is you may not have much it, it may it may just be a small death benefit you know from from your pension you know or it may be a small piece of land that that you buy whatever you have you know um but the legacy it should be to leave something in terms of legacy but also to instill uh an affirmation and a confirming of a child's natural tendency to explore and to be curious because sometimes in that like i said in that middle stage of life we lose that you know because we're so preoccupied about living and bills and doing all the things that we have to do and grandparents sometimes they might be retired so they're able to say hey well i'm going to take the baby to a powwow we're having a, a First Nations powwow or, you know, um, we're having certain religious rites of passage or, you know, my friend's peace omega, my friend's child or something is getting married. So I want to take the grandchildren with me so they get to see what a what a marital rite of passage looks like, you know, or they get to see what a spiritual gathering looks like. Oh, you know, the list goes on of, of things that you could do as, as a grandparent. But again, essentially, you're instilling inside them the ideas of solemn unions you know you're instilling inside of them the idea of rites of passage sometimes the parents don't have time or they don't have the the the, the years and the seasoning of emotional and spiritual maturity to even run a rites of passage experience you know um they don't have the energy for it you know as as we progress further into what this what what our social financial construct is 
one of the things that we're all finding <laughs> is that we have less time. You know, like it, it, there's a lot of hustling that a lot of people have to do. And sometimes, unfortunately, the children get left by the wayside, you know, um, so we drop them off at the school or whatever, and we expect them to instill everything. And they instill a lot of things, but usually it's not, it's nothing near to what we actually wanted our children to have, you know, so that's where grandparents step in. I'll give you an example. When I first created the Sadoodle House, which is my school, um, it, it was, as some of, no, I've, I've shared it before. It was only for children, right? Um, but the concept always was that the elders would teach the children. So um, in the beginning, I had some brothers and sisters who I knew some elders in the community that I paid, and they would come and teach classes, do stories, um, do algebra, stuff like that, you know, with, with the children, Peace Pad Mini 144. But one of the things that I was working on at that time was... Um, there was a there was a home and and it was a long time ago. I never got it, so I could share all the plans now. But there was a spot in North Carolina in Charlotte. I'm not from North Carolina, as many of you might know. But I was looking to go down there, and I had even put a bid in on this spot. It was a house that was for sale, and I was gonna uh, convert it into an assisted living facility. And the way I had it set up was that on the first floor would be the the, the ALF. And then on the second floor would be a daycare. So what that what that would allow for that was actually Sedulu House. That was the original prospectus uh, for Sedulu House before I was teaching, you know, online and everything like that. Because Sedulu House began as a well, it was in my house, <laughs> you know, and um, you know every every seventh day or every Saturday, as many of you would say, um, I had a large group of youth who would come and they would they would get spiritual lessons. I would teach them spiritual lessons. And then that eventually converted into a seventh day and a first, first day experience because what ended up happening was that, um, it, and it's crazy because it happened all at the same time, um, around the same time. But some of the mothers of the youth, they came through and were like, my children don't want to go to church anymore. You know, so it turned into um, a Sunday thing. Right. But it was Saturday and Sunday because we already had the Saturday Academy. And then um, like they were like, yo, they don't want to go to church anymore. The stuff you've been teaching them, they say in churches and where it's. So that happened to like a couple of the mothers at once. So they was like, so what you got for me? You know, peace of queer. So I was like, I on Sundays, they can they could just come here. Right. So on Sundays, we would just like watch films and stuff like that, play games, whatever, make food, right? So that was actually the first dual house. Um, and it was just straight children. And then what happened after that, <laughs> how it got even bigger, the parents were like, you know, because I was teaching E-King to the children at the time, E-King, um, basically the whole curriculum of, of Anu spiritual training one through three. So I've only given the adults phase one because most people can't even get past phase one. But the children were getting one through three. So they were getting chakras, um, E-King divination, Obi divination. Um, they were learning Swahili. They were learning Medu. So we were, we were dealing with hieroglyphs, um, um, a little bit of Zulu. Um, but uh, there was a lot. I mean, I could go on. They learned. They knew how to make Omiero. Um, drumming, yoga, dance, um, I 
algebra. Uh, it was a bunch. Al- alchemy. We were doing alchemy courses. You know, so they were getting they were getting all of that, and then a lot of the spiritual stuff. You know, like the stories and stuff like that. Um, Forty two negative declarations of my aunt. We used to get deep into that. You know, and break down each one, each one. And these are little babies. You know, what I mean, these are babies from. Um, I think my children were the youngest ones. So from maybe four. Yeah, I think my baby started at four. So from four. And my oldest was 11. Yeah, 11. From 4 to 11. And, you know, that's how Sadua House actually started. So then what happened was the parents was like, (laughs) I'm learning so much from my children. Like, I want to learn what they're learning. So then that's how I ended up. Peace, kid, kid, glide. That's how I, peace, Brittany. That's how I ended up opening it up for the adults. It was because... The children were like zooming past them and they were like, I want this stuff seems so interesting. I want to learn what they're learning. So that's how Sadua House actually became, you know, like what it is now. So I was doing the adult classes. What I did was I shifted all the children to Sunday and then on Saturday was adults. I think something like a lay, right? But most of the time the children were there on Saturdays anyway, you know, but they just be playing in the yard or whatever while I was teaching the adults. Um, so I say all that to say the original design. And after that, that's when I was looking to buy the spot in North Carolina. I put a bid in it, but I didn't get, I didn't, I didn't make the bid. And, um, I, you know, I had it all set up for, to, to do that. And, and the the whole thing was that the, they put the elders with the children. Why? Because again, there's a special magic that occurs between grandchild and grandparent even if it's step-grandparent, you know, or it's it's surrogate, if you will. It doesn't necessarily have to be people that are related to to each other. You know, um, I came up years ago inside of a... Uh, I didn't come up in it, but I had a parent who worked for um, uh, a sister, an elder, by the name of Clara Hell. Um, she ran an a organization called Hell House in Harlem. And... Um, <laughs> I thought everybody called her Mother Hell. I thought Mother Hell was my grandmother as a youth. I did not know we were not related. You know, um, I didn't know how grandparents worked. Like, you get two. You know what I mean? I didn't know how it really worked. But um, Hell House, and you can look it up, it was a beautiful institution. Um, She took in children who were basically, especially around that time, you know, whose parents were strung out on drugs or... um, a lot of her children were like, you know, HIV, the parents had HIV, stuff like that, you know, way back in the days, you know, yeah, they did a movie on on Mother Hell, exactly, so I was all up and down that house, like, it was my house, (laughs) you know, and I didn't know that the children, I didn't know what the situation was, I just knew this is grandma, and there's all these children here, and we eating food, and you know what I mean, like, that, that's what it was, as far as I knew, now, my parent worked. My parent was her was her uh, accountant, was a bookkeeper and accountant. Um, but I didn't, you know, I, I, she was so warm and so motherly. I just thought we were going to grandma's house. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't know you were actually going to work. <laughs> you know. Um, and then of course it was a almost. I guess 
I guess it was like a motherly motherly relationship for for the, for my parent as well. I guess because I remember um, mother. I shouldn't even say this. He, he's 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 transitioned now, but her son. I won't say his name. He's a good brother. We ended up working together years later in a school. But I remember when my mother threw him out the house because he just was not doing right. He was staying up in the attic. And he, he ended up turning his life completely around. He was a school principal and everything later. But when he was younger, when he was a teenager, he just was like being disrespectful and stuff and whatever. And I remember that day he slept on a mattress upstairs in the attic. And I remember that day my mother went up there and threw the mattress outside, you know, because um, he just wasn't doing right, you know, because uh, it was family like that. <laughs> it was like, you disrespecting your mother like this? You know, oh, thanks, James. I appreciate it. Thank you. You know, um, so that was I'm just giving you an example. Right. So that was what she was able to create as a as a grandparent. Right. Um, and I don't. I probably met her actually, her actual real grandparents, probably, but I don't even, I, I didn't know one from the other because I thought I was one of her grandchildren, you know, <laughs> when, when I was younger. And I actually didn't learn until, and this is almost embarrassing, it was years and years later when I heard people talking about Hell House. And I was like, yeah, they, yeah, Mama Hell, you know. And, and then I learned what it was, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's that's what it was, you know. Um, but again, the vibration between me as a let's say a surrogate grandchild and her was, and my mother's right there. It's not like I was one of these children who's, you know, got abandoned out of hospital or anything like that, you know. Um, but that that again, the relationship is so strong and it's so godly that it creates a different type of string between elder and child you see so um sometimes as grandparents unfortunately you don't really get a chance to experience that depending on um what the nature is with with the grandchild my actual biological grandmother was the same thing she worked in um in a hospital um in fact king's county hospital um in brooklyn and um she worked in the children's ward. She loved, she loved, loved, loved her job. She loved her job. And um, she worked with a lot of crack babies and, and stuff, what they call them back then, you know, uh, children came through with, with, with drug addictions. And when we were younger, there were pictures of all these children on in her bedroom. She had a mirror, you know, like on her dresser. And on the mirror were pictures of all these children, right? Tell you how crazy it was. On that mirror, it wasn't even a picture of us. <laughs> our actual grandchildren. It was all the children that, you know, from from her job. Now, when I was younger, like, here we go again. I thought those were relatives. I didn't I didn't know who those children because she never said, like, oh no, these are different babies from the job. And and some of them died. Some of them, you know, they had terminal terminal issues. I didn't know that. She would just say, Oh, these are my babies. And that was okay. I guess these are those are my cousins or something. I don't know how it worked, right? Because again, there's such a special value that comes between grandparent, grandchild, right? And there's a power of blessing. And this is the part I want you to get. It's really important. We know that through the father comes the authority of the family. 
but most often through the oldest matriarchs and patriarchs comes the blessings of the family just like the matriarchs and the patriarchs can curse the family like when we talk about the sins of the father being being visited on the child the same thing can happen in terms of on the other side with blessings so that's why a lot of times your grandparent like some of y'all i didn't have this story but like you know you had like stories of like grandma taking you to church and, and and stuff like that or grandpa taking you to his farm and teaching you different things but they're they're blessing you with whether it be their skill values or they're blessing you with their religious and their spiritual spiritual values but there's there's this kind of um passing of the of the torch and a lot of times that baton will not pass to their children but it will pass to the grandchildren because the nature of the relationship is more calm you see again like i said the grandparent will look at philosophical things i used to work in a nursing home i have seen what a child does to the spirit exactly i was actually going to get on that for a minute um you know my mother actually worked at the nursing home too you know as a as a as an accountant you know um so peace peace nadine you're more than welcome you know so a lot of times what happens in that is like you you'll take a young person to a nursing home and you'll see that you'll see the uh, older people pick up why are they old why are they picking up because people like them have now come into the room you see i'm not like an elder even though y'all call me elder but i'm not like a 60 70 80 90 year old elder we don't have that much in common I'm not like a 5, 10, 15-year-old child. We don't have that much. And 15 might even be too old. Let's say 5, 10 to 12. Because around 13 is when they start getting evil. But, you know, I'm not like that. I'm not like them. We don't have much in common. But if I take a 5-year-old and I take a 70-year-old and put them together, they got a lot more in common than I have with them. You see? So there's, there's, there's an energy Exchange. One is sharing wisdom. The other one is sharing high energy, high volumeless energy. And they're able to kind of feed and perk each other up. And again, a lot of times they respect the questions and the inquiries and the curiosities of youth because as they get older, they have the same curiosities. Is God real? Is there really a God? You know, do angels really exist? You know, things like that. These are the same questions that children have. Now, those of us in the middle, a lot of times we, we're spiritually disconnected. And sometimes because of our disconnect, we can rupture the relationship that's supposed to be between grandchild and grandparent. And that's something that, that's, that's, that's an extreme violation. You know, sometimes um, maybe we have certain feelings about our parents and how, they raised us or did not raise us and as a result we then want to rupture that relationship between grandparent and grandchild which is an extreme mistake because again you're removing the blessings of the grandchild that they would receive from the grandparent you're blocking those blessings you know because there's a certain level of blessing that the grand the grandparent can offer that parents can't you know and there's a sacredness in that relationship that should always be protected. There's a sacredness there. Now, again, 
there has to be guidelines, right? So even you as a parent, when you have a child, and I'm telling you, I practically had itineraries. You know, when I had my first child, I made it clear, like, look, it ain't going to be none of this. It ain't going to be none of that. You can, you can just forget that and don't bring this around. You know, I was very clear on what the guidelines could be because I, I felt a certain level of boldness now, you know. And like I tell men who don't have children, you're gonna, you'll know when it's hard to explain, but when you have your first child, you're going you're gonna to feel a certain level of strength and boldness and justification for what you do that you never felt before because in in many senses children give men a reason for living you know that's why it can be so devastating when you lose a child or there's a divorce and again the the sacredness and the and the and the relationship that you may have with that child ends up getting ruptured you know um you have to rethink or refine a, ris- a reason for even living you know, and I know you do. I know those of you going through it. I know because I've had conversations, and every time I've made that particular statement, I said that phrase: "You lost your reason for living." And it, oh, exactly. But that's not something a lot of times men can speak about publicly because, you know, black men we don't love our babies. But anyway, <laughs> so you know, when you're establishing those 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 guidelines as a parent or a grandparent, you want to take some time to study your own attitudes about um parenting and like i said there has to be a level of trust you know where you i trust my children to do because at the end of the day they're not you know your grandchildren are not your children you know you didn't lay down and make them so you may be spiritually responsible for them and you are you are philosophically spiritually and to a large degree emotionally oh you're welcome deborah drake you're absolutely welcome you are absolutely responsible for their emotional and spiritual well-being. So what you have to do as a grandparent, <laughs> you put a G on your chest. <laughs> like you got to you got to sew yourself a superhero outfit. You know, and you put that G on your chest and you know, you got to step into the room and be your grandchildren's champion. All right? You want to be their champion. You want to be their advocate. You want to be their voice. That's important because a lot of times as children, sometimes, they, you know, a child will go through certain things where they kind of feel like maybe people can't relate to them or their parents don't understand them or their parents don't relate to them. And maybe they don't. <laughs> they might not. And there may be some things that they'll reveal to a grandparent that they would feel uncomfortable about revealing to a parent. And that's when you get an opportunity to advocate for, with respect and trust, and to, again, be your grandchild's champion. Or if you see a situation where maybe the emotional state of your grandchild is in jeopardy, you can be that champion. You know, but one of the things that you have to always do is make sure that whatever you're coordinating in terms of that, or even on a spiritual level, that you're coordinating it with the parents as well. You're getting permission. So, like... Like, I had to tell, like, other in-laws, you know, before in my life, like, look, don't take my, my, my child to church. You take my child to church, you'll never see my child again. Period. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, my children have locks. Yeah, my children have locks. They have natural hair. Don't touch their hair. You, you know what I mean? So there was so many different things that I had to lay forth in terms of guidelines 
because again, that's my job. <laughs> that's my job as a father. So as a grandparent, there has to be trust. Like you got to trust that, okay, he wants his children to eat naturally or they want their children to have their hair naturally. Or like, for instance, my daughters always wore dresses, right? So, but I'm taking them to the park. You could take them to the park. That's fine. They're going to have tights on or they're going to have, if it's cool out, they're going to have sweatpants on. And over those sweatpants, it's going to be a skirt, you know, or a skirt dress. I always get those two confused. It's going to be a skirt, right? So that's what we do. Now, you have to have trust. Like, he knows what he's doing. He just doesn't, you know, yeah, I know I know what I'm doing, you know. Um, and sometimes there'll be incidents. And like in any relationship, you got to talk to them. You know, you, instead of, oh, I told you don't do you never see him again. You know, you sit down and, and you talk about it. Listen, this this is the culture that I'm living. This this is what I want for my children. And as grandparents, you got to have your eye on the prize. You see, now, what is your eye on the prize? The philosophical, spiritual, and moral instilling of, uh, uh, or the instilling of those things into my grandchild. That's more important than, um, but I want to give him pizza. I want to give him barbecue ribs or you know so you got to kind of have a, a larger view you know one of the things too that you do as a grand as a grandparent is you start to engage in charitable activities with your grandchild you know organize charitable charitable activities with your grandchildren you know like take them to the soup kitchen or, or take them to hand out meals anything like that but you start showing them that side of life as well that's an important thing that you come in and you do as a grandchild also listen to your grandchild's perspective on nature and spirit and god sometimes again as parents parents are exhausted you know and they you get one or two questions and it's like all right did you brush your teeth go brush your teeth and go to bed you know but but as a grandparent you give that that time <coughs> excuse me I've been having to sneeze this whole time. <laughs> I've been, I've been doing all. That's what been making them funny faces. So I have to skip the sneeze on camera. Um, so, so, like I said, you you know, you listen to them. You listen to the conceptions about life. Oh, thank you. <laughs> that was it's from that that I told you about my mustache tickling my nose. But like I said, um. You learn how to transmit beliefs. And here's an important thing that you that you discuss with your, your grandchildren. Thank you, now I appreciate it. Thank you, Kashia. Thank you, all y'all. Give me blessing, blessing. Thank you so very much. Um, speak to them about the byproducts of righteous living, right? Um, so in some traditions, they call that the fruits of the spirit. But you speak about what joy is to your grandchildren. You speak about what patience is to your grandchildren. And here's here's like a really important thing. When you're speaking to your your grandchildren, use terms like integrity. Use terms like honor. You know, use terms like respect. Thank you, Iris McKay. You know, and you know why you do that? Because when you use certain words have a mathematical coding value already implanted in them. And when you use them, it starts to open up your spirit to a different way of, of perception. So that's why you notice like foul people or disrespectful people. I've noticed something over the years. Disrespectful people never use the word respect in, in terms of any type of achievement in life. 
they'll only use the word respect when they're saying don't disrespect me but they'll never they'll, like when you see them talking to the children or talking about something they'll never speak about having integrity they'll never speak about having respect they'll never speak about having honor they'll never speak about having endurance or having commitment these are not the values that they that they teach themselves or their children to, to strive towards because they don't care anything like they could care less about about those values so as a grandparent you want to consistently use those type of words with your grandchildren like open up that way of thinking you see open up that way of thinking because then what happens is those words start to become a part of your children's standard vernacular even when they don't have a full breadth of understanding because you only have a full breadth of understanding of honor when you get an opportunity to honor something you know and then like oh now i get it right but they'll start to get the knowledge of honor the knowledge of integrity the knowledge of respect so you make sure you're constantly using words like that and you tell your spiritual story another important thing as a, as a grandparent tell them about your spiritual journey you see Tell them about like, you know, where you began or maybe you started in church or you started in the mosque or maybe you're native and, and you started there, you know, but you, you share with them what your grandparents shared with you or your uncles and aunties shared with you in terms of your own spiritual values. You know, you transmit that to them so they, they can get a sense of what the narrative is. You know, I spoke about stories recently. They'll get a sense of what the actual story is, what the journey has been. So it gives them an idea of where to launch from, of, of, of where of where to move forward from from where they're at, right? So that's what you can do as a grandparent. But like I said, you want to teach them and use words like tolerance, compassion, uh, peace, reverence. You know, these are the this this is the language that you're imbuing and you're imparting to your grandchildren as as a grandparent. You know, um, give them ideas around poetry. You know, around the, the sentimental nature of literature, things like that. These are very, very valuable things. You know, um, you know, I have seen my parents, you know, instill or share their perceptions of art and, and, and music and things like that with my youth. You know, and that's a valuable thing because it comes from such a pure place you know sometimes as parents like i remember when one of my youth was trying to do music and i was like you, you can't do music like not that you can't but um he had this concept that oh i i'm just gonna i'm just gonna make a beat and like i'm just gonna blow up like i'm just gonna go make a beat and i was like son it's 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 a lot more work than that like anybody can make a beat especially nowadays the software pretty much makes the beat for you <laughs> so you ain't really doing anything so i was like there's there's a thousand people just in this one town alone that does music every kid is walking around with with a well it used to be notepads now it's in their phone every kid is walking around with rhymes or with this and he was like well baba why you know why why are you not encouraging god baba like you being so negative i'm like because you live in a microwave society you don't respect anybody's craft and trade so he made a little corny beat you know what i mean and then he never made one again he was like yeah i, I ain't really into it right but now if i was a grandparent i probably would have explored that with him more I, oh really you want to do music yeah well let me let me play some of this for you let me play some some of this and some of that and let me hear what you did okay that sounds good you know i probably would encourage on a different level but as a parent 
I'm thinking pragmatically. Boy, stop playing. <laughs> like, you know, like like do what you're supposed to do and I'm and I'm and I'm instilling pragmatic lessons about life, which I'm supposed to do. I didn't do anything wrong, right? So there's a the the, the grandparent doesn't undermine the parent, but rather compliments the parent. You see? So me pragmatically, I'm like, I know you boy. Like this is just another one of your disrespects. <laughs> Cause nowadays children are very disrespectful in that. Um and what I mean by that is that they don't have a respect for, for, for trade. They don't have a respect for someone who's put their time into doing things because so much of what we have nowadays is so easily accessible. Um, it's so microwave and it's so hands off. You know, like so I may be somewhere at a fair or festival and let's say there's a sister who's making handmade sweaters and I may stop and or scarves or something and I may want one of these scarves and one of these sweaters. And I've been places like that before my youth. And they're like, oh, wow, that's expensive. You know, yeah, it's made, but it was made by hand. You know, like there's a different thing in it when you're respecting someone's craftsmanship or craftswomanship. You know, um, there's a different vibration that you put forth. Whereas nowadays with youth, it's just like they don't really understand that because they don't come from that. Now, you know, when you have grandparents that can explain to them like, yeah, we used to do this by hand or this or that, or a grandparent will even say things like you getting ready to throw something out and a grandparent be like, don't throw that out. You know what that is? Or you know what kind of wood that is? Or this, you know, and will kind of give you a respect and the understanding for that because they're, they're giving you the concept of legacy. A lot of us miss that, especially those of us in the North who had grandparents and great grandparents who owned land in the South. It's common story, and I hate when I hear it every time. A lot of people up north, like, I ain't going down south. I'm going to do down south. Ain't nothing. That's too slow down there. Ain't no jobs down there. Too many mosquitoes, right? And your family owns two, 300 acres of land somewhere in Alabama or, or Georgia somewhere, something like that, and you sell it off to a lumber company. How common is that? Yeah, some this guy said he want to buy the family land, and, you know, the part that I own, you know, it was divided amongst all of us children. The part I own, I'll get about six, $7,000 if I sell my, my acres. I'm just going to sell my acres because I ain't doing nothing with it anyway. No respect for legacy. Zero respect for legacy. You see, right, exactly, because she had given away the family wealth. You know, oh, oh they, well, they harvesting lumber. Well, let them keep, let them keep selling them the lumber, the timber on the land. But you keep the land, <laughs> you know, and you plant some more, some more timber. You know what I mean? So um, that's a part of sometimes when we, our relationship is ruptured between ourselves and our grandparents, because then we don't really see the value of what they went through. Like, you know, um, some of that land, a lot of times is sharecropping land, you know, they, they, they they bled for that land. You know, they were sharecroppers and they were able to get that acreage and you just, ah, I'm just going to sell it because I'm living up here in a ghetto in the North. But that's what most of us did. We left the South. Our families left the South to come move up to the ghettos of, of New York and Chicago and Baltimore and Philadelphia. When we, when we had the potential to live, um, you know, like sovereigns, <laughs> but we wanted to, you know, we like, being next to the master's porch that feels good you know but um so i'm just saying these are the things that grandchildren 
can help to instill. And sometimes it's a very deep and mysterious dimension of a relationship. Like I said, that oftentimes we can't quantify it, but there's an expression of excitement that comes when a child is with their grandparent and a grandparent is with their child. And, and like I said, it's not really quantifiable, but there's certain character traits also that can be transmuted between grandchild and, and grandparent. So I just wanted to give some energy to that today. You know, um, I wanted to give some energy to that today because like I said, we're starting our solutions for dysfunctional relationships class series for our new members. And I thought it fitting because peace, Cassie, um, because we haven't spoken much about that. And at some point I'm going to give some, some energy and some insight on grandparents as spiritual guides versus your unearthly or ethereal spiritual guides and how they work hand in hand. You know, um, you want to establish a spiritual relationship with your elders now. And I've said that so many times, you know, um, a lot of times when after an elder transitions, that's when we want to put them on the altar. You know, um, we want to put them on the altar and light candles and we want to start, you know, bothering them (laughs) every single day for this thing that we want and that thing that we want. But you remember as above, so below. You know, so, and that could be as above being in the overworld versus the underworld or earth versus heaven. You know, um, were you serving them when they were here? Did you have a spiritual relationship with when they were here? Did you have, a, you know, exchanges when they were here? Why would you expect them to be that present? And on top of that, do you really know the sound of their spiritual voice? If you've never explored the sound of their spiritual voice while they were on the planet. You see, um, so you want to give yourself time and opportunity to kind of do that. And, you know, especially as a grandparent, spend time alone with your grandchildren, because there's certain things that will come out, especially when there's a blended family. A lot of times grandchildren's grandchildren or children, you know, they, they have trouble with step parents, you know. Um, sometimes they have trouble with a stepfather or with a stepmother and they can't really necessarily, if you have a trouble, if you have been having trouble with your stepfather, you can't necessarily tell your, your, your mother all the time, or if you have having trouble with your stepmother, you may not be able to tell your father. You know, one of the things that you'll, you'll learn a lot of times when it comes to step parents, for the most part, unfortunately, parents are not going to mess up their sex, their coochie or their penis for a grandchild. I mean, for, for a child. You know, it's hard to imagine because when we're young, we deify our parents and we think they love us so much. And then we transmute that idea to a God in the sky. But parents can a lot of times be a lot more selfish than you might imagine, especially when it comes to their lovers. And a lot of times they're not going to disrupt a relationship with their lover because of a complaint that a child may have. But a grandparent will listen to that. You know, what's going on and this and that, you know, and may champion or hopefully will champion for the child or may even say, you know what, we can't, we can't do much about that right now, but you know, you can spend more time with me, you know, or why don't you come spend the summers with me so you can get away and get, and get a little break from all of that, you know? Um, so being able to spend time alone and, and have those communications are 
critical. And, you know, I want to be clear that I'm not speaking about when it's a big mama situation, you know, and big mama when big mama raised a bunch of raggedy children. So now all the grandchildren got to come live with big mama and you putting all that pressure on big mama because big mama just didn't know what the heck she was doing or big daddy. You know, um, neither one of them knew what the heck they was doing. So they raised some some horrible kids and now they, they got bunch of grandchildren you gotta take care of and of course there's always stories of love you know my grandmother raised all that's cool but you know let's not make that the norm you know that's not what it's really supposed to be because in that the grandparent is not freed up to do what they would have normally have done and that's to have that deep spiritual deep philosophical and deep esoteric relationship with the grandchild now they can't do that because they now have to function as a parent all over again at a time when they're probably barely physically equipped to do it you know so that's too much to put on big mama and big daddy all right so that's pretty much all i wanted to share on that i didn't want to go too heavy on you so you know i know for many of you it's your day off and uh you're preparing um for everything that you're going to be doing is strong and some are preparing for the solutions call um some of us are dry fasting i'm on a dry fast because it's the day of atonement for some of us you know you follow the the accurate um hebraic calendar um today is our our, you know day of, of atonement so dry fasting you know um so i'm i'm gonna go back into my my work and meditation and work <laughs> all right but uh yeah i just wanted to give you that that's all just wanted to give you that and thank you for the super chats you know, thank you so very, very much. Appreciate the, the offerings. That's cool. Um, and everyone be well today, man. And, you know, if you're a grandparent, just text your grandchildren and say, I love you. If you're a grandchild, just text your grand, your grandparents say, I love you. If your, your grandparents have transitioned, just, just send them some love. Tell them I love you. You know, um, and even if they ain't your grandparents, text an elder. Say, I love you. You know, and if you're an elder and you have children, hey, I love you. I'm thinking about you. That's all. <laughs> it ain't that hard. That's all. Just let them know. It, it, they'll be over the moon. It, it means the world, you know, for young people to know that someone so old with such stature is actually thinking about them. It means a lot. All right, everyone, be safe and be well today. Protect each other, love each other, and inspire each other. <laughs>